Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Speaking of Jeremy McGrath, the Red Bull straight rhythm was kind of a throwback. This, it was. This week with the uh, the 90s for... The theme. Yeah, the theme we had... Uh, uh, but It was all two strokes, which the 150 class isn't really a <laughs> 90s thing. But it was sweet. And one of the guys that we were rooting for because of his sweet number 259 replica was AJ Catanzaro. And he joins us now. AJ, what's up, dude? Hey, thank you, guys. You almost had a win. We were We were, we were cheering for yeah. you. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I was, what, I think point zero zero four. Is that nuts? It was crazy close. Crazy close. Yeah. Oh, my. It seems like every race I was in was basically a photo finish. I just wanted to stress myself out as much as possible. <laughs> it was some really good, it was some really good racing. Uh, what did you think about it? Uh, I thought, honestly, that the track was built absolutely perfectly for the two strokes, and it just made for great racing, and the way they were describing it, Jason Baker at Dream Tracks was describing it as he's like the the tracks used to be two different tracks for the 125s and the 250s, um, and that's so true. You know, like the only person I can think of that was able to actually triple rhythm stuff like that regularly on the 125 was James Stewart. Other <laughs> than that, the rhythms turned into double double doubles, where the four or the 250s were able to to triple the things. Um, and until the night show came around and me and Carson Brown and Luke Renslin started doing a triple-triple in the rhythm, it was just us doubling all the way through, which just made it really entertaining. How uh, how sketchy was that to start with when you guys first started hitting those triples? Because Tony and I were watching uh, the broadcast and uh, we could see a lot of the guys were doubling, but then you got, when you, like you said, started triple-triple through, it looked like you had to put some English to the bike, but tell us from your perspective how it went. Yeah, well, the, the scariest thing about that, two factors, one being on a 2004 125, like, I was just afraid it was going to bog, um, which thankfully, I mean, with Electron Carb, like, that thing was pretty spot on the whole day. I didn't have any issues whatsoever, but that was still in the back of my mind. Um and with that, I was I was really stuck in between gears, and I was struggling with that the most throughout the day. I couldn't figure out where to let the thing scream in second and where to just shift to third. Um, it seemed like I was up and down shifting in places where I would normally never would. So that was a little confusing to me. Um, and I don't think I jumped that triple until the very first heat of the first bracket race with Ryan Surratt, so in the quarterfinals. Um, so that's scary to go out in a race mode where you're trying to push and then all of a sudden you have to do a big jump that you haven't done before. Talk about the bike, um, if you will, please. The the, the 259 uh, James Stewart trip replica or tribute bike or whatever you want to call it. You know, you ran his number and his and uh, gear and yeah, it was yeah. super cool, dude. I mean, it was it was. <laughs> uh, it, I I thought it was. Did anybody? What what was the reaction there in person from everybody? Were they into it? Oh, yeah. It sold a show, uh, which was the plan. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it was awesome. And I, I reached out to Spencer Luzak, who owns the bike, and really just built, I mean, he did build it from the ground up. But every detail, every little part of that bike has been worked on. I think they said on the broadcast, and I've said it before, he put $30,000 into this bike. So, Holy smokes. Yeah, it. as far as bikes that I've ridden, it, it tops anything I've ever ridden before. Um, just from suspension to frame details, subframe, motor, the, you know, carbon fiber hubs, just stuff that I've never had on bikes before. What? Um, Sorry. To get the gear and everything to, to match, and the gear was spot on. It was just, it was, it couldn't have gone any better, really. What kind of suspension were you running on that thing? Brand new stuff, or? So, I should know the details a little better. The front end of that bike was, I want to say the forks were 2011, uh, single like single sff for it, so mm-hmm. single function uh spring uh from a kx 250f i think so that's so, the rebounds on one side and compressions on the other is that right correct which isn't my favorite suspension in the world but i would choose that over the new air stuff mm-hmm. um and i would probably i'd say choose that over uh forks that were straight up off of an 04 <laughs> right uh, and it was A-Kit stuff, A-Kit internals, everything. Um, it, the the only thing and my only complaint with it is that we had outdoor suspension. I was the only rider there with outdoor suspension. Um, so really? that being said, it still handled it really well. And I got a text from, of course, Phil Nicoletti. He doesn't say good job or anything. All, all he texts me saying is, but stiffen your forks, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Looking good. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> He's at home and watching after, it. Yeah, after that, he texts back, and, and he goes, he goes, no, really, though, if, if you had a super cross suspension, he's like, you would have won. You look really good. That's awesome. So he gave me a little bit of a compliment. But I, um, it, it was hard to ride the track with stuff that was that soft. I, I would have had no idea that you were on – outdoor suspension unless you, you said it we couldn't see it phil can because he's at that level i guess right. but we didn't know i mean we were just we were just stoked that it was such a close race every time you threw your leg over yeah i mean it you would have thought it was almost like set up that way every time i went down to the third round and i think what would happen i, I lost every first round race with each rider and that's that is kind of how i work like i had to get the bugs out each time especially the very first race after we had four or five hours off after time qualifying, I was a nervous wreck and it's a different element than being in supercross where, yeah, sure. You have, you know, 50, 60,000 people watching, but there's also 20 riders on the track and you have multiple laps. You have like lap one. Sure. You want to go out fast, but you at least have some time to work the kinks out with 45 seconds. It just, absolutely wide open the whole time and you know that if you make one mistake you're you're pretty much out of it yeah yeah it was a cool event we we you know we uh we got done i got done racing and pinned at home to watch it only to go back and race the next day and it's it's fun watching events you know in between when, when you see stuff like that because it's it's just uh you know and i'm old now so it's still but it's still cool to to uh, watch you guys race and and uh just see neat now, events like that perspective what how how does it compare for you guys watching it as opposed to a supercross is it more exciting less exciting just something totally different for me for me honestly i find it 
somewhat more exciting. I, I think, um, first of all, we're on two strokes, and Tony and I are both over 40. I'm just over 40, though. Come just on. over 40. I'm 43. <laughs> Whatever. But, um, you know, I, I think having a different element to the to the program, uh, we got to bring back a couple uh, retired favorites uh, for people. And I think sometimes Supercross just kind of can get you, you kind of get lulled into a rut if the race isn't overly exciting. So I, I think right. I, I think this was in, in, in your races and you know some of the other things that were going on with the uh, in the bracket racing I thought was was good. I thought that this was the best straight rhythm i had seen i think you're right i think it was the best the best overall event that, that, yeah, that they put had. together for straight rhythm for me though aj i think um you know just because it was something interesting and it was you were it, it kept you engaged whereas you know and i go to some races still but having uh you know raced my whole life and then um um you know and then i ran a race team for five years and it's it's uh, you know and we've been doing this show for 15 years And I I work in the industry. I mean, it's kind of I'm I'm, I can kind of get jaded and kind of bored with uh, with Supercross. And and even though I know it's you know it's awesome, and and I go to you know I won't even go. I didn't even hardly go to races last year, and and I'm and that's kind of my deal. But I'm I'm not going to race this year till San Diego probably. But um, you know, if I was in California, I probably would go to this the race in Pomona. I would probably go. I, I think it's really cool to to answer your your question i think compared to other events i was as entertained watching this as i was the monster cup and two people became millionaires at that event so and they had to work a lot harder than uh than and, uh, and if you get a boring rate or a blowout of a race it's only 45 seconds you have to watch it so <laughs> and then you're lining up yeah that's a big one. up and there were some yeah. come from behind deals in these you know 45 second races i I caught the highlights uh, yesterday and today, and there were some come from behind like, yep, it's over. Wait, no, he's back I in I know. It. That's what I thought, too. And I don't know if that's because it was two strokes or what, because usually when a guy, you know, they don't – they I think it's easier to make mistakes on a two-stroke. Would you agree with that, AJ? Uh, I would absolutely agree with that. And the, tra- the way the track was laid out, and especially on a 125, it was nearly impossible to do an entire run without messing something up. <laughs> right. And being on a 125, a mess up to like the normal person's eye watching it, um, or sorry, like what you would think would be a, cr- a clean run watching it, to me or anyone on the 125 doesn't feel it because you hang a wheel just by a little bit on the landing, anything like that, <clears throat> and it's ruining your drive. That's why... You saw, a, probably if you watched the 125s back, you saw a few where you, even the first one with Ryan Surratt, I had what seemed like a big lead on him. And next thing you know, he just ate me up and actually went by me. And all that took was for me to miss one shift. So I hit the double, triple in the center, like the, the super cross style triple, stuck in second gear. And I hung up my rear wheel just a tad when I landed and wasn't able to like, scrub it and stay low. And he went from, Four bike lengths behind me to one bike length in front. So it was just cool. It was a fun element being on the 125s. It was as if, like, I love riding pit bikes for that reason. I love <laughs> riding anything that's slow and stock because you have to be so precise, and that's kind of right up my alley. 
I, I wish that's what we raced on all the time. I would do much better. So you keep saying 125. We know the class limitation was 150. Was it a stock right. 125 bore, or are we talking? I was on a 144. 144. Uh, but, and it was a great running bike. But I'm going up against one stock, or not stock. I'm I'm going against you know Carson Brown and all these guys that are 150s. On, on 150s, yeah. And I'm sure are tricked out 150s. So I know, like, I was super super underpowered. It would have been cool if there was like a rule to have everyone on actually a stock bike, but I know that would be hard to to govern that. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, everyone's bike was pretty darn slow. So <laughs> it looked cool. It looked fast it to me. Yeah. Oh, it made it. It just made it super fun. And like, even I, I, I could be biased about this, but I, I felt like I was the fastest guy through the whoops in the one twenty five. Um, and I. I think a lot of that was because of just the drive I was getting off of the roller before. And a lot of people are like, Oh, you're on the bubble replica. Why aren't you scrubbing? <laughs> and I kept telling people, well, what I was doing was more effective because I'm actually getting the wheels to the ground and being more precise with it and getting the drive rather than throwing the back end around landing sideways, having to get the bike straightened out. Right. There was a lot that went into it. So, uh, and we're almost out of time here, but AJ, do I remember seeing you race arena cross? Yeah. So when I was 15 years old, I won the, uh, lights championship in arena cross. Okay. 2010. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I knew it's been a while. Um, just talking about these two strokes, arena cross got really boring to watch and, uh, we did our best to, to wave the banner and, 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 you know, and, and finally they folded the doors on that. Do you think if they were racing two strokes, do you think arena cross would still be, as exciting as it was back in the day? Uh, that's tough to say. I mean, I think there's only so much you can do when you're working with 20 seconds, 20 second lap time. Um, as far as creating an exciting track and something different every weekend. Uh, all I know is that coincidence or not, this weekend made for absolutely amazing racing in the 125 and the 250 class. Yeah. Well, but I I lived through the the uh, Buddy Antonez, um, you know Chad Pedersen, Denny Stevenson, that era, and th th that was exciting. Though that was crashing, slamming into each other, <laughs> you know, um, and and tight, guys tight racing and guys making small small mistakes, and it costing them three positions in that twenty seconds. So. I, I think it has a lot to do with it personally, but it's yeah, that's a good point too. Cause you know, you make a mistake on those two strokes and you do lose a lot more time where the four strokes you make a mistake and you can kind of power yourself out of it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you can just gas it and get yourself out of trouble. So, yeah. uh, what's next for you, AJ? Uh, well, hopefully this helped my cause. Um, but right now I'm, I'm just going to start really focusing on supercross and getting my program together. I just announced today that, I'm going to be bringing on a different title sponsor for each weekend's event. So it creates a lot of work for myself, but at the same time, I think it's exciting and it, uh, it's definitely a better opportunity for small businesses and, uh, people that want to be involved, but can't front the bill for a 17 race series. So if the race is coming to Nashville and they happen to live in Tennessee, it's a cool opportunity for yeah people to, uh, come on board as title sponsor for the weekend and, it's uh 
just last year I did it for the East Coast rounds and it was a huge success. So going to do it for all seventeen this year. So two things, uh, PJ. Three things, PJ. Your brother immediately came to mind. He's got some business. Just started a new charter boat service, and he would. I bet he would be into this. There you go. Okay, so we may have a guy there for you. Um, and two, you better. I hope you have a good graphics company because they're going to be busy. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and three, what does it cost to be the the title sponsor of a Nashville or like race? Yeah, so I'm all, what I'm only charging fifteen hundred for the weekend for the title sponsor, and it's basically that's good price. Inclusive. I mean, it gets yeah. I wanted to keep it reasonable, and so like I said, so individuals and small businesses can get involved, and it's not breaking the bank. Um, and we're doing it so like it involves you know, two VIP pit passes and uh, the main spot on the shroud of the bike, you're on the jersey, on the helmet. When they announce the races, you're announced as the title sponsor. I, I'd say it's, it's worth the 1500 bucks, And for me, it's enough to, it'd be nice if it were more, but at the same time, if I can make that happen for all 17 rounds and get a couple other things going, I, I can afford to kind of get the thing going. That's awesome. So you work with whomever steps up and, the, you know, they, they or they bring you the graphics and your graphics guy handles them from there because that that sounds like a really reasonable buy-in for uh, for a company who wants to have their name up in big lights. Yeah, I I, I hope so. Um, thank you for saying that. And it, it does it creates a lot of work for myself. It creates a tier graphic company. Um. Well, that's awesome. We've still got you here. We didn't dump oh, you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jack's, no. that's, that's Jack's cute saying we got to go to break. AJ, it's been awesome having you. Congratulations on your success. And and uh, we'll uh, maybe we'll send PJ's brother your way. He's down in Nashville, and it makes perfect sense for him. Yeah, that's funny that I used that as an example. Yeah, uh, have him reach out. That'd be awesome. All right. We're going to take a break. Uh, big thanks to our guest, AJ Catanzaro. We're going to uh, come back with Tristan Hart and Dural Cross Racer. This is Pit Pass. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.